Dear Heavenly Father, at the beginning of this new day, at the beginning of this conference, we want to come to you on our knees, thanking you for bringing us here for protection, for guidance through the many obstacles that we've had to get through to be here. And Lord, we're asking because you've asked us to ask. We're asking for a special measure of your spirit to be poured out this weekend. Lord, you know these people have come here for knowledge. And that may be a practical knowledge of gardening. But more than that, Lord, we all need a practical knowledge of walking with you. And so this morning, as we look at the life of Enoch, I pray that you will teach us that your Holy Spirit will bring to our mind the things that you want us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. want to just welcome each one of you here. Um, this is a culmination of lots of months of planning and um, lots of prayer. And we're excited, and I hope you're excited. You know, we're expecting over 450 people here this weekend who want to learn about agriculture and gardening, and that's exciting. This morning, I want to talk for a few minutes about Farmer Enoch. How many of you knew Enoch was a farmer? Okay, a number of you. Um, I, I've got to try to prove to you this morning that he was a farmer, and I think I can do that. So, let's jump right in. And this, uh, this is a, a quote that, well... I, I will see how many of you have read this. this. The experience of Enoch and of John the Baptist rep, represents what ours should be. Have you read that? Why is that? Well, she goes on to explain, far more than we do, we need to study the lives of these men. He who was translated to heaven without seeing death, that was Enoch. How many of us want to be um, in that group? Okay, so we need to study how he was able to do that because that's the experience we want. And he who before Christ's first advent was, call, was called to prepare the way of the Lord to make his path straight. How many of you want to be that group before his second advent that are called to prepare the way of the Lord. So do you understand why it's important for us to study those two men in particular? Because they're types of what we are going to go through by God's grace and in his strength. How many of you have made special study of the life of Enoch and John the Baptist? We need to do that, she says. It's the experience ours needs to be. If you haven't done that, I want to challenge you. So when I read this, this quote many years ago, it was a challenge to my heart. And I said, well, I better, I better figure out um, 
well, I better do an in-depth study into their lives. Now, when you go to the Bible, how many verses are there about Enoch? I mean, we're talking a handful, like one handful. So how do you, how do you study about the life of Enoch? Well, you can, of course, pray for God to give you insights, but God has given us insights through the writings of Mrs. White. And, and that's such a beautiful thing because she actually has an amazing amount to say about the life of Enoch. And it's fascinating to study what she has to say. And I'm going to just share some of what um, I learned from my study. I, I looked up every quote, of course, every text in the Bible that talks about Enoch, and then every quote in Mrs. White's writings. And it's not overwhelming, but there's, there's quite a bit there. And I came up with three characteristics of Enoch's life. First of all was separation. And I know that that's not always a um, politically correct um, idea to be separate from the world, but I'll tell you what, it's everywhere in the Bible, and I think we need to take it more seriously. Um, these, these are some selected quotes, and let me tell you, my favorite, um, well, there's quite a bit in Patriarchs and Prophets on the life of Enoch. But there's another little volume, three, the third volume of spiritual gifts that to me is my favorite chapter. I think it's actually called Seth and Enoch. Um, but it goes into a lot of detail on the life of Enoch. So here are just a few excerpts. He separated himself from the corrupt descendants of Cain. He realized the corruption of the human family and separated himself from the descendants of Cain. And then further on, all on the same page, she says, Righteous Enoch was so distressed with the increasing wickedness of the ungodly that he would not daily associate with them, fearing that he would be affected by their infidelity. He, was, he knew his own weaknesses. He knew his own um, shortcomings. And he knew he could not daily associate with the ungodly without being changed. And I would challenge you with that. If Enoch needed to separate, what about us? Now, this is an important point here. Where did the descendants of Cain live? Do you remember? Genesis 4.17? Okay, land of Nod, but I, maybe I asked the question wrong. Um, what is Cain known for? He built a city, first city in the Bible. Now, do you think that's significant? She says very specifically, he chose to separate himself from the descendants of Cain. 
What does that say to you? If the descendants of Cain are in the cities, where did we need to be? Not there. So, would you agree that it's pretty clear here that Cain did not live in a city? So we've got country living, I mean, I'm sorry, Enoch did not live in a city. Cain did live in a city. Thank you, honey. I could tell by her expression that I'd said something wrong there. Um, okay, let's go on. So, second characteristic of Enoch's life, and this one really is a challenge. Solitude. How many of you would say your life is characterized by solitude? Any hands? Okay. He chose to be separate, there's that word again, from them, we're talking about the wicked, and spent much of his time. How much is much of his time? Majority? Wow, that's, um, it's certainly more than an hour or two, right? I mean, that, I wouldn't, I don't think any of us would call that much time, would we? He spent much of his time in solitude, where he devoted, which he devoted to reflection and prayer. He waited before God and prayed to know his will more perfectly that he might perform it. This was just Enoch and God. And the question we've got to ponder is how can we spend much of our time in solitude? Okay, third aspect. What was the first aspect? Separation from the world. Second aspect, solitude. Third aspect, service. This was not a selfish um, hideout in the mountains. Enoch was all about service. And again, if you, if you study this, and especially on page 56 of th third volume of Spiritual Gifts, very fascinating. I wish we had time to just read it all. But Mrs. White specifically points out three parts of this service. One was active evangelism to the world. He went to the cities. He went to the people and he preached to them. And he told them about Jesus, about God and his righteousness, and he also told them that they needed to repent and turn from their evil ways. So he was a public evangelist. That was part of his time. But he didn't spend full time evangelizing the cities. He knew he could not handle that. So he would come back to his quiet country retreat, and Mrs. White talks about those who would seek him out, those who came under conviction in his public evangelism, they would come find him. Where does Enoch live? And they'd, they'd go find him in his quiet country place, and they would ask him, teach me more. How do I repent? How do I come to know God? And he would disciple them. You get the idea that this was small group discipleship. And he trained them 
how to walk with God. Wouldn't you appreciate some training like that? This is practical. Christianity is practical. And then she makes it clear, and I'm paraphrasing, but then there were times when he put out the do not disturb sign. For the righteous and the wicked, um, we're closed today. I need time to recharge my batteries. And he spent that time in solitude. And I want to emphasize this was part of his service. He knew without the recharging power of one-on-one time with God, he would not have anything to share. And, you know, I think a rechargeable battery is the perfect illustration of this. If you keep that thing on too long, the battery goes dead, and then it doesn't matter if the battery says Christian on it. If it's dead, there's there's no light to share with the world. So this time in solitude recharging was really an unselfish saying, I've got to have something to share with you. I've got to have light to share with you. Now, look at this. Enoch, separating himself from the world, that was our first characteristic, spending much of his time in prayer and in communion with God, represents God's loyal people in the last days who will be separate from the world. So I ask you this morning to prayerfully search your heart. Is this your experience this morning? Are you separating yourself from the world, and are you spending much time? Now, I heard a majority. We don't know what much time means, but again, can we all agree that it's it's more than an hour or two a day. With, um, okay, I see a few hand, uh, heads shaking, nodding, I should say. Um, this is the experience that God's last day people have to have. Now, the challenge is how in the world, with your current schedule, Can you spend much time in solitude with God? Our lives are full with jobs, families, church responsibilities, right? How many of you have much time just kind of in the boundaries of your life that you could just focus on, I mean, do you have that kind of um, time just hanging around there? Somehow we've got to, to reorganize our priorities, right? Now, this next one is a little long. I don't know. Can you all read that? If you have good eyes, I guess. This is one of my favorite quotes, and I think that this is the clincher to prove my point this morning. The education centering in the family was that which prevailed in the days of the patriarchs. Now, 
I think, <clears throat> I don't know that we would technically call um, Enoch a patriarch. Usually we think of, at least I think of those after Abraham maybe, but I think he, you know, it was the same, same lineage there. For the schools thus established, I, I wish we had time to tear this quote apart, but we don't this morning. God provided the conditions most favorable for the development of character. This is a key here. This quote is telling the conditions most favorable to the development of character. The people who were under his direction still pursued the plan of life that he had appointed in the beginning. What was that? What plan of life had God appointed in the beginning? Speak up. Garden, he, he created man and put him in a garden and said, I want you to take care of it. Wasn't that his plan in the beginning? So the people who followed him are still sticking to that plan. They haven't gone to the city. Uh, those who departed, and here she makes it very clear, built for themselves cities. So you want to depart from God's plan, you build a city and you live there. If you want to stick to God's plan, you live in the garden. Um, but the men who held fast God's principles of life dwelt among the fields and hills. They, now get this, they were tillers of the soil and keepers of flocks and herds. Do you think that includes Enoch? He was separated from the world. We know that. He, he separated from the descendants of Cain. I believe, and I, I believe the Lord has told me personally that Enoch was a farmer because he was part of those people who held fast the principles of God, tillers of the soil and keepers of flocks and herds. And in this free, independent life, now, if you want to be able to find much time to spend with God, do you need some independence? If you're clocking in every morning to a salaried job, how are you going to say, you know, I need, I need to take today to spend with God? I, I, there's not many employers that would um, accept that excuse for not showing up for work. It's free, independent life with its opportunities for labor and study and meditation. They learned of God and taught their children of his works and ways. You know, many years ago, after I had done this study, I, I preached a sermon on it. The, those three characteristics, separation, solitude, and service. And I had a man who I could tell was really under conviction. He came to me afterwards and he said, you know, how can I find that much time for solitude? And, and I didn't have an answer for him right there, except, you know, kind of, well, God will show you the way. So then I went home and I was kind of grappling with it. Lord, if, if this is the plan we're supposed to follow, what do I encourage people with? How, how can they spend much time in prayer and meditation? Well, here's the answer. 
in the garden, you can not only be earning your daily bread, but you can be spending much time in solitude and meditation. Isn't that amazing? You can, quote, kill two birds with one stone. You can earn a living and have quiet time with God all day long. Incredible. It's all there. So, have I proved my point? Was Enoch a farmer? I think it's pretty clear when you put those quotes together that he... Now, when I say farmer, he may have been a keeper of flocks and herds. He may have, have been a, a nomadic uh, pastoralist. But still, that's a kind of agriculture. And as he was out there either hoeing in his garden or watching his flocks and herds, he was walking with God. Now, I'm, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit apply that to you, okay? I'm not here to say everybody needs to go into full-time farming. So, I hope you got the message. We, in the last days, have to have the experience of Enoch. Enoch spent much time in solitude with God, separating himself for the, from the world. How do we apply that? May the Lord bring it home to your hearts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this quiet time we've had here together. Lord, I pray that that you will speak to the hearts of those here and that you will show them the way that you would have them go. In the song we sang this morning, you said you know the plans that you have for us. And I pray that each of us will be seeking you for that plan. And we know that it includes the garden on some level. So I pray that you will encourage and empower these people through the remainder of this conference. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org